Welcome to Experience This, where you'll find inspiring examples of customer experience, great stories of customer service, and tips on how to make your customers love you even more. Always upbeat and definitely entertaining, customer retention expert Joey Coleman and social media expert Dan Gingas serve as your hosts for a weekly dose of positive customer experience. So hold on to your headphones, it's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss how to conclude a business relationship in a remarkable way, making it easy for your customers to comply with your contracts and archaic interactions that hamper your success. Canceling, filing, and updating. Oh my. Sometimes a remarkable experience deserves deeper investigation. We dive into the nitty gritty of customer interactions and dissect how and why they happen. Join us while we're dissecting the experience. Dan, in the immortal words of Britney Spears, oops, I did it again. I am not even sure where to go with this one, Joey. (laughs) Well, let me help you out, brother. I would like to officially announce to our loyal listeners that I am no longer coming to you from the comforts of my home in Boulder, Colorado. I have officially moved to Fort Dodge, Iowa, the small town in northwestern Iowa where I grew up, which means I am much, much closer to where you live, Dan Gingas. That's right. We're going to be in the same time zone. We're finally, in the same time zone for the first time ever. Which which makes for easier podcast recording for sure. I was just wondering as you were saying that, how many other people in the world ever <laughs> have moved from Colorado to Iowa, you think? You know, it's it would be fair to say that the majority of people usually are moving from Iowa to Colorado. But in this crazy pandemic time, as people look for ways to reconnect with family and loved ones, I think a lot of people are finding themselves, or at least I've talked to a lot of friends and colleagues who are moving to be closer to family and are kind of reevaluating their schedules and their times and their commitments. And so we thought about it. And we thought this would be a great way for our kids to get some more time with grandma and grandpa and with the aunts and uncles and all the cousins that live around here. So we are back in the heartland, Iowa, America. Love it. So good. And I know we've talked about the experience of moving in a previous episode. Yeah, that would be episode 43 back in season two. That would be October 2018. Fabulous, Dan. Absolutely fabulous. He is the master of our episode history, ladies and gentlemen. But as I was saying, at the time we're recording this, I am surrounded by cardboard boxes, bubble wrap, and moving blankets as we slowly make that very slowly but surely unpack in our new location. Now, during the course of our move, Dan, I had a number of interesting interactions, as I am wont to do as I go through life. And I thought that in each segment of this episode, we could speak about a different aspect of the moving process with the goal being not that you improve your moving business because most of our listeners are not in the moving business. Except but, you, Steve. Thank you but, for yeah, listening. Steve. Woo-hoo, we're so glad to have you here. But instead, to hopefully give people some ideas of things that I experienced in moving that happen in your business that could be improved. Now, the first one I wanted to talk about is how you offboard a customer. 
Now, I spend a lot of time talking about the importance of onboarding in my book and in my keynotes and in virtual speeches, but how you offboard a customer is also crucial. It's the last thing, the final thing that they're going to remember about their experience with you, which is why I want to share a little bit about my experience with Comcast. And next week, ladies and gentlemen, after he's done onboarding and offboarding, he's going to talk about waterboarding. No, never mind. Just kidding. <laughs> wow, tough. <laughs> well, let's be candid. And and Dan, full disclosure, Dan and I have spent some time with the fine folks at Comcast. Comcast's reputation for their experience, let's say five years ago, certainly 10 years ago, is a very different world than the experience of dealing with Comcast today. I actually and, I actually heard, I don't know if this is true, but I actually heard that that was one of the reasons for the name change to Xfinity was literally to walk away from the brand name because of the reputation it had developed. But as you and I both know, that reputation has changed quite a bit over the last few years. It's changed dramatically. And part of the reason for that is the incredible work that the team at Comcast has done under the leadership of Charlie Heron and really looking at what has been a multi, more than a billion dollars invested into customer experience enhancements. And I had the pleasure of, even though cable companies are historically known for their lack of customer experience, I had the opportunity to have a remarkable experience. Allow me to explain. So we're getting ready to move and I need to cancel my home cable and internet service, which is provided by the folks at Xfinity Comcast. So I go online to see if I can do this and I'm chatting and pretty quickly they say, for a cancellation, we want to talk to you, enter your phone number and we'll give you a call. So I do, and they call me immediately, which is awesome because I'm like, ooh, live person, non-chat, we're going to get this sorted out. And their goal, obviously, when they first called me was to identify my account. And while they're trying to pull that up based on my name and my address, the representative that I'm speaking to is making small talk about Colorado, right? I'm in Colorado. I have to give him my address. It identifies as being in Colorado. He's asking if the wildfires are close to our house and showing a lot of empathy and connection and just kind of easy rapport banter while they're looking up my account, which I really appreciate. And it's kind of easing into the conversation in a nice way. They then asked for the account number. Now, I have to admit when they did this, Dan, there, I actually said, as I often do in these scenarios, if you were to offer me a million dollars to tell you my account number, you would get to keep your million dollars. Because most companies assign us account numbers that we don't remember. How are we supposed to remember? It's an arbitrary number to your customer. Sure, it might have some meaning to you, but it has zero meaning to me. And usually the only way that you have an account number easily at your fingertips is if you are holding an invoice, or you have an invoice called up on your screen, which I didn't. But this is where it got interesting. He actually said, is the phone number on the account a cell phone? And I said, yes, it is. He said, can you confirm the number? And I gave him my cell phone number. He said, I would like to send you a text message to confirm your identity if you have your cell phone. I was blown away because I was like, oh, this is super easy. You're going to know it's me because you're going to send the text and I'm going to text back and we're going to be good to go. And don't you know it? That's what happened. I like it. I like it. I mean, that's uh, pretty simple. And they've now identified you. So what happened next? Well, and what I also liked about this, and I don't know about you, have you ever experienced that? I've never experienced 
proving my identity via text message on a cell phone. Like this was a new technology solution for me. So we're two minutes into this call and I'm feeling pretty darn good about my relationship with the folks that I'm canceling my relationship with. Wait, but wait, nonetheless, wait, so, I'm feeling on. pretty I, good about it. I got to interrupt you. So you've never done two-factor authentication on anything? Well, I've done two-factor authentication, but I've never done two-factor authentication with a person on the phone saying, I'm going to send you this text message. I guess maybe I have, but I just, I never, I never thought of it this way. I've done it more for like logging in to get a password where they say, oh, we're going to send you this thing and you have to read the number back to us. It's always been an automated experience. I've never okay, had so this is trigger it. This is cool because it's kind of the cross-channel thing. You're on live yeah. with someone and they're confirming you by text. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so I'm not such a Luddite that I am not familiar with the concept of two-factor authentication, but you are correct. This is the first time I've ever had a human lead into that. So that, I, that kind of caught me off guard. The representative then confirms the subscriptions that I have. He's like, you have cable and you have internet and you have a router and you have a cable box and kind of confirmed all my equipment and then asked, which almost every customer service person who has been trained to process a cancellation request ask, why are you canceling? And I explained that I was moving from Colorado to Iowa. I think he might've made a remark similar to the one you did. Oh, you're the first person I've ever talked to in the history of the world that's moved from Colorado to Iowa. And he actually went so far as to say, and I see we don't actually have any service in the place in Iowa you're moving to because I said the name of the town I was moving to. And I thought, wow, this guy's doing like on-the-fly research and I knew that Comcast was not a provider in the local community I live in now. Uh, but the fact that he did that, I thought was really interesting. And he, he basically apologized for it. And I don't want to say gave an excuse, but he was kind of like, you know, it's just not a marketplace that we've really expanded into yet. And I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to serve you anymore. So suddenly I'm canceling my service and I almost am starting to feel a little guilty about the fact that I'm canceling my service because... I'm really enjoying the relationship that we're having and the conversation we're having. He then offered some options for the final payment. And this is where, once again, the representative saw things from my perspective. I had previously been set up on auto pay. And he said, look, we can keep you on auto pay and that's fine. But we find that sometimes when customers do that, they forget to cancel the auto pay and there might be a payment that gets made that shouldn't get made. And even though we're going to cancel it, here's what I'd like to recommend you do. Let's take you off of auto pay and send you your final bill as a prorated paper bill to your new uh, address. And then you can log on and pay it online or just go through our portal and do that. But that way we don't have any type of unnecessary charges on your account. Well, I like that he is thinking ahead and I think really helping you through the process, kind of making sure that nothing slips through the cracks. Now, granted, they want to make sure you pay them too, because you're moving out of state. They don't know where you're going anymore. They may not be able to you know, chase you down. But I think it's a great example of understanding that moving is stressful and that, that you know one thing you may forget to do is pay your last bill. And so he's making it easier for you. Yeah, I loved it. And, it. and it felt like it was really looking out for me. And speaking of looking out for me, now we get to the part of canceling your cable and internet subscription that drives most people crazy. You have to get the gear back to them, right? You have to either mail it back and now you're trying to make a trip to the post office or you're waiting for them to sell, send you, you know, uh, a box with the, the postage already on it, or you've got to take it to some location. 
he says to me, here's the thing. There are a number of Xfinity stores in your town that you could take this to, or by the way, you could take it to any UPS store and just drop it off and they'll box it and package it up and mail it back to us. Oh, and by the way, you can do this anytime in the next 30 days. So if it's easier for you with your move to box the stuff up, take it to Iowa and then take it to the UPS store, that's totally cool with us. Not a problem. Now, we've talked about in previous episodes this idea of, you know, kind of the the benefit of being able to take things into the UPS store and have them mailed back. And and the fact, I, I forget what you might remember, Dan, the phrase, you know, the it's not frustration-free packaging, that's the other one, but the like, you don't need to provide the packaging service. But I didn't know that Comcast Xfinity had this relationship with UPS, and it felt really customer-centric. Yeah, and I like this because uh, it actually reminds me of another company that we've talked about a couple times on the show, which is Chewy. And if you'll remember the first time we talked about them, it was specifically of my friend Mike and uh, and his cat had just died and, and the treatment that he got with the flowers and all the, the condolence card and all that for a customer that was literally out the door. And it sounds like... Uh, Comcast kind of treated you the same way in the sense that they know they're losing you as a customer. They know there's nothing they can do about it, but they're still helping you out, taking the time to make it as easy as possible. And they're basically trying to leave you with a really positive impression. Absolutely. Which brings me to the final thing that the representative said. He made sure I understood everything. I didn't have any more questions. And he concluded the conversation by saying, If we ever end up offering service in Iowa, we would love the opportunity to earn your business again. And the way that he ended the conversation on this final thought of, hey, I know we're not a good fit, but there's kind of an almost subtle implication that if we were a good fit and we were there, we'd be a good choice for you. But by the way, we recognize that we're not going to be presumptuous that you would just continue with us. We hope we get the chance to earn your business again. I got to tell you, I hung up that call and I thought, I want to do business with them again. I hope they expand to Iowa so I can become a customer again because the offboarding experience was such a delight. And that's amazing. And so many companies can learn from that because one customer lost does not necessarily mean that they're lost forever. And they may come back, they may tell others about the experience and help you gain new customers. And so that customer that you think you're losing, if you sort of broaden your perspective a little bit and realize that that too is a person that could help your business grow down the road, it's worth investing that little extra time to be civil, to be nice, and to leave them with a good taste in their mouth. Absolutely. And to not take it personally that you've lost the customer. I mean, here's the deal. We lose customers all day, every day in our businesses due to no fault of our business. Comcast didn't lose me because they did something wrong. They didn't lose me because my internet was dropping. They didn't lose me because the cable didn't work while I was watching a Notre Dame game. They lost me because I moved to another place that they don't serve. So it wasn't that something was wrong. It was that something wasn't available. And I think all too often when a customer leaves, businesses, whether that's the organization as a whole, culturally, or individual reps, 
kind of take it as a personal affront or they're so focused on retaining the business that they go into sales mode of, well, what if he gave you a better package or a better deal? And the folks at Comcast realized very early on in the process, they can't serve me in the place I'm going. And as a result, we're okay sending me off in a positive way. Just because you have required elements of your business doesn't mean they need to be boring. It's time to get creative, have some fun, and make people sit up and take notice. Get your customers talking when you make the required remarkable. So I have to ask, did you hire movers or did you do the big Colorado to Iowa move yourself? Well, Dan, uh, you know, the answer to be candid is a little bit of both. I have reached a certain point in my life where I feel very fortunate that we can hire movers because I'm not super excited about lifting boxes and moving. And man, I love my two boys. I've got a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, as you know, but it's like adding kids added more stuff than I thought it was going to add. And I'm not just blaming it on them. I got plenty of stuff myself. I mean, we at our at our count with our mover, we were at north of 8,000 books. I mean, we're literally moving a library at that point. But moral of the story, we had movers, but through a weird confluence of events, we also ended up with a U-Haul. And I'll save that story for another day because it is a sordid tale indeed. But the moral of the story is I had an interesting experience with U-Haul. See, anytime you rent a U-Haul, you need to return it with the same fuel level as before. So unlike renting a car where you have to return it full, with a U-Haul, because it's a big truck and it has a big gas tank, you have to return it back to the same fuel level. Now, this is a contractual requirement, but the challenge is most people have never driven a large U-Haul truck and they don't know how much gas to put in the tank to get it back to the required level. Yeah, I mean, that is hard to estimate. I've had that happen every once in a while, even with a rental car where they give it to you and they're like, well, it's between three quarters and one half. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll try to get it between those two on the way home. You know, if and, you, and you hope that the person checking it in remembers what the person who checking it out, who usually was at a different location, totally different person, when they say like, nah, it's kind of between this and this, just get it generally. And I'm like, do they ever go back and charge people? Like, I presume they do if you are way off. But I don't know about you. There've been more than one time when I've been returning a car and I've been like, oh my gosh, I got to forget and like spin back around in the airport and go back to the nearest gas station to fill it with gas. But U-Haul has a different approach to this, right? They're requiring you not to return it full, but to the same level. And they have a solution to the problem. When they print out your contract, it shows a gas gauge so that you can see not only how much gas was in it when you rented it. But all the little gradation markings on the gauge show you how many gallons of gas you'll need to put into the tank in order to return it to the proper level. Nice. So, I yeah, like that. I mean, this was so cool. I had never seen anything even remotely close to this, right? So to make to make sure we explain it, and there are visuals over at our website in the show notes, right, for experiencethisshow.com, where you can actually see pictures of the contract and the gauge. But what they do is, so let's say I rented it at three quarters of a tank, They'll say to you, well, if you're down to one quarter of a tank, put in 20 gallons and that gets you back to where you may be. And it's what's absolutely fantastic. But as if that wasn't enough, there are stickers 
on the gas tank and on the gas gauge, reminding you, look at your contract for specific information on how many gallons are needed when you refill. So at every turn, U-Haul is working to make sure you know exactly how much gas you need to put back in the tank, which helps them to make sure their trucks come back properly filled. But it also helped me, the customer, as I was guided to put the right amount of gas in. So I didn't have an underfilling situation where I would violate their contract and be charged more or an overfilling situation where I would spend more on gas than I needed to spend. You know, I have quoted the great sage former Chicago Cubs manager Joe Madden multiple times on this podcast. And his favorite or my favorite of his sayings is do simple better because I think not only does it apply to baseball, but it applies to business. And this is such a great example of doing simple better. This is such a simple solution to a problem that again, you know, isn't just on U-Hauls and trucks, which I agree is going to be tougher for a car driver to estimate because if you're not used to driving a, a truck, you have no idea how many gallons to put in. But that is a real problem even with rental cars because, you know, when the last guy doesn't return it full, oftentimes they don't go fill it up for you. They just deliver it to the next person with three quarters of a tank or whatever it is. And I love the elegance and simplicity of the solution. And you're talking about stickers and printed gradations. I mean, this costs almost nothing to do, and yet it completely changes the experience and makes it easier for the customer. Absolutely. And and I'll take it one step further, Dan. We've got this scenario where the last experience you have when you rent a car, you rent a U-Haul, is you go put the gas in it and drop it back off. So it's in that offboarding period that we talked about in the last segment with Comcast. So if the last experience I have is I put a bunch of gas in and then as I'm driving to the U-Haul, I see that I overfilled, I'm irritated. If I see I underfilled, I'm freaking out that I'm going to get charged later. And invariably, you're charged like $19 a gallon, right? They, I'm waiting for the car rental company or the truck rental company that comes along and says, hey, Return it with whatever, and we're going to charge you the prevailing street rate to get it back to normal. Not this foe, we're going to charge you a whole tank, which is what most rental car companies do, or the penalty of we're going to charge you five times the going street rate for a gallon of gas. No, we're just going to do the right thing and, and fill it back up so you don't have to worry. But until that happens, U-Haul has a great solution. We've talked about it every week, and now it is here. In fact, you probably already saw it, but if you didn't, you want to get over to experiencepointsgame.com. That's experiencepointsgame.com to see our newest show. There are laughs, there are cheers, there's prizes to be won. Ladies and gentlemen, don't miss the remarkable experiences and the celebrity contestants we have at Experience Points Game. Check out the trailer now. I'm going to say... I call it a moment of magic. My mom is an English teacher. I've written six books. I'm like, no, can't do it. Because we will celebrate it over and over again on the way we made them feel. If I take care of my team, they'll take care of the customer. What do B2B companies report is the number one challenge to customer experience. That was so hard. See, that's the difference. Remarkable versus regular. The analogy worked. The speech did not. And then they said, that's a lot of tacos. Show me the money. Let's win some money. This is so cool and I'm learning so much. 
It's, I think that's powerful to say our customers are expecting more than ever before. I am so ready. There's no way. There's no way. I'm going to guess 44%. Yeah, Dan. $100 for Dan Dingus. We love telling stories and sharing key insights you can implement or avoid based on our experiences. Can you believe that this just happened? All right, Dan, we're bringing it home. No pun intended. Yeah, I, I got to share it together. <laughs> you know, what can you say? We're reaching the end of the episode. I want to talk about something that should be so easy to do. And with one of the experiences I, so I had, it was. And yet, so easy to mess up. And that was the other experience. So this is a little compare and a contrast about something that happened with me updating my magazine subscriptions. Now, I have a number of small addictions. I'm addicted to books. I'm addicted to travel. I'm addicted to art. And yes, it's a little weird, but I've got a touch of a magazine addiction. Now, I've tampered that down over the years where I used to subscribe, I'm not making this up, to 30 magazines, which meant I had to read a magazine cover to cover every day just to stay on top of the magazines. I'm now down to about 10, maybe 12. So it's still a lot of magazines. And because I was moving, I needed to update the mailing address on my magazines. Now, anybody who's listening who's ever done this, usually what happens is you call up the subscription phone number in the magazine and you tell them your subscriber number, and they update your mailing address. But I figured, since it's 2020, there must be a better way to do this. So the first experience I had, I went online. I was able to go to the main website for the magazine. I was able to click on a button in the navigation down in the footer nav that said, change mailing address. I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you, website designers who made the navigation easy to understand. I clicked on it. I entered my name and my address and my zip code. It confirmed based on that. It didn't need me to confirm the subscription number, which I so appreciated because I didn't have the magazine in front of me, even though I subscribed to the magazine and I was able to put in my new address and it said, and here's the punchline, folks your subscription will be updated with the next issue that mails next month. I thought this is fantastic. And then I had a different experience. I was like, waiting for the other <laughs> shit to pop. Here it comes. Yeah. So I thought, well, this was so easy. Why don't I go to one of my other magazines' websites and see if I can do the same thing? So I click on it, the website and I'm navigating around and there's nothing that says update your mailing address. And I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm digging and I'm into contact us and there's no phone number. There's just an email. And it's like, we promise to be back to you within 72 hours. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? And I'm going around and I can't find anything. I can't find anything. And finally, I find a phone number. And I'm like, great. So I call the phone number. And here's what happened. I explained that I had a subscription. They asked me for my subscriber number. I could not tell them. And what ensued was a 20-minute process for them to be able to try to identify my subscription without my subscriber number. Even though my name is Joey Coleman, which is not an entirely uncommon name, but not an entirely unique name, fair enough. And when they finally found it, and here's where it got really exciting, friends, they couldn't update my address. What I had to do is cancel that subscription and resubscribe using the new address. Ugh. I mean, right? for reals. Right? 
This is a true story. Now, here's the crazy thing about this. I fully acknowledge that that is a first world problem. I fully acknowledge that, you know, no small fluffy animals were harmed in the creation of this customer disaster story, right? It's not a huge thing, but it proves the point that we talk about on this show all the time, which is the little things matter. And when they actually explained to me that I needed to cancel the subscription and then call a different number to resubscribe and give my credit card over the phone. Let me guess. Can I guess? You can guess. You can can guess, guess? Dan. What do you think happened? I'm going to go ahead and guess that you canceled the subscription and didn't call the other number. And you are correct, my friend. And I won't call that number again because I am not excited to support a business that has such an archaic, ridiculous way of handling things. I mean, if you are in the magazine business, you have to know that people move. And I even am accepting of the fact that some of the magazines that I changed the address on, I had one tell me that my magazine will start to be delivered to my new address in three months. So for the next two months, the magazine's going to go to the old address and then be forwarded through the post office to the new address. Oh, and by the way, guess who pays for that? Oh, that would be the magazine. Because they can't change the printing of their labels. And I actually asked the person, why is it that it's going to take three months? And they said, well, we batch print our labels quarterly. And I'm like, how much money are you saving by batch printing that you're losing with all of the people who change addresses? Uh, So first of all, I want to back up a couple sentences. If you're in the magazine business, I'm really sorry. Well, yeah, fair enough. Touche. You're probably losing customers every day. And so uh, you know I like to talk about the leaky bucket. Uh, It's time to plug that bucket with the people that actually do want to (laughs) stay. You should make it a tiny bit more easy for them to do that. But also... I talked about in the previous uh, segment about doing simple better and changing an address is simple. It is something that we now all expect to be able to do digitally. We shouldn't have to talk to anybody. We should just be able to put it in the website and say, here's my old address. Here's my new address. And now we're done. And if you want to make it difficult on people, you want to make it hard to change the address. You want to make it so they're going to lose two months. of. You're never going to see those two months of uh, of magazines because the Postal Service doesn't forward magazines. They only forward for, uh, first-class mail. So those magazines are going to be out in the abyss. You're still going to pay for them. If you want to annoy your customers, then keep doing it the way that you've been doing it since 1950 when you know magazines were in their heyday. But If you're in really any industry, but especially one that is getting swallowed up whole right now, you got to do a better job focusing on keeping each and every one of your customers. Well, Dan, I'll take it one step further. If you ever have a scenario in your business that requires you to, quote unquote, delete or erase or cancel an existing relationship with a customer and hope that they will re-trigger a new relationship with you immediately following that cancellation, stop it. Stop doing that. And this sounds obvious, and it sounds like stuff, and I'm sure there's some listeners going, oh my gosh, this is bizarre. This is ridiculous. I can't even believe this is happening in 2020. I can't even believe that this is the reality of any business. I guarantee that a significant percentage of our listeners work in businesses or industries where there are ridiculous little things that are happening just like this, that for some reason, 
we've made it hard to do. It's hard to get a printed invoice, or it's hard to get an address change, or it's hard to get on the phone with someone, or it's hard to get, you know, proof of a purchase after the fact, you know, get a reprinted receipt or something like that. There are tons of things in your business that for whatever reason, you've made it difficult for your customers to do. And this is why such a, I'm such a big fan of the customer journey audit. Might be the only time you ever hear Dan or I say we're a fan of an audit. But the reality is we get so insulated in our business and our operations that we lose track of the crazy hurdles we're asking our customers to jump. Yeah, I totally agree. And the more hurdles we put in front of customers, the more likely that they're going to trip over one of them. And when they do, that's the time where they're going to start reevaluating their relationship with you, just as you did with the magazine that is going to make you call two different numbers. You reevaluated your relationship pretty quickly, I would imagine, and decided that your relationship wasn't worth it anymore. And, you know, again, this is 2020. These are things that are expected to be in digital format that are easy without having to talk to somebody. That is not just millennials that want that. It is every single generation that is willing to go online and do these things quickly now. And if you're not there, you got to get there soon. Wow. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. We know there are tons of podcasts to listen to, magazines and books to read, reality TV to watch. We don't take for granted that you've decided to spend some quality time listening to the two of us. We hope you enjoyed our discussions. And if you do, we'd love to hear about it. Come on over to experiencethisshow.com and let us know what segments you enjoyed, what new segments you'd like to hear. This show is all about experience and we want you to be part of the Experience This Show. Thanks again for your time and we'll see you next week for more Experience This. This.